Welcome to Scratching the Surface, where we talk all things real. Today I'm here with my mom, who was diagnosed with primary progressive MS back in 2009. We make light of our illnesses together because we are alive. Connect with me on Instagram at Life Behind the Rainbow or on Facebook at We Rainbow Oils. Love and light to you all. Okay, hello everybody. I'm here with my mum. I've said for the longest time that I was going to get her onto the podcast and talk all about her up and down crazy life story, a bit like my own. So yeah, me and mum are here, cosy down in her bedroom and we're just going to have a bit of a chat all about her life, uh, her MS, um, how that's been really awful, maybe sometimes a reason to rethink life and um, but mum do you want to just introduce yourself hi yeah i'm jane calvin i'm tara's mum as she has said i'm 52 years old and as tara said i have ms so mum actually has the worst type really um well yeah it's the worst type yeah primary progressive ms so there's what four different types there's benign ms where you have no symptoms there is relapse and remitting where you go poor for a bit and then come back and it's not really defining until later on in life where it becomes secondary progressive ms which usually ends downhill but then there's my kind of ms and that's primary progressive MS, which means that from when I was diagnosed, then I started to go downhill and I won't come back up the hill. So yeah. They told me. So it's a very degenerative disease is what they say. I think you, you might all remember I had Sam Joseph. She's the OMS uh, nutritionist that was at the end of my last series. So she did talk a little bit about um, MS and... Um, I suppose the general overview, but mum specifically has the worst, the most degenerative type. And so I wanted to get her on, I suppose, to show you how maybe why I am like so positive with my illness, why like I just think our family, it's just almost, that's just what happens. Like we get all this shit thrown at us and what else can you do? But And we never come out smelling our roses either. No, like, but what's, you can't lie down to it. You know, well, I think I've learned that and I learned that from mum kind of having her comeback. Uh, unfortunately, it was a bit too of a late comeback. Well, it wouldn't have happened unless Tara was there. <laughs> okay, well, we can maybe, do you want to explain why you're saying that? Um, because uh, it was Tara found this this group doing a chat and they were called the OMS, Overcoming MS. And it was all once chatting from various medical perspectives, physiotherapy, dietitian, doctors, etc. And they all had MS and were either stable or improved with this diet. And on that day, there was myself and Tara and my husband, Davey, had been up um, to this meeting and Tara was writing furiously at everything the men were 
were saying and things and I was listening intently and turned around and looked at Davy and he was lying with his mouth open snoring. Yeah. I was so angry at him. Oh. Um yeah, I was working in Belfast at that time and got them to come up and I was so excited. Like it was the first glimmer of hope that we actually ever had, wasn't it? Yeah. Like so mum got diagnosed around Christmas time in 2009 which I have talked about I think in my very very first ever episode but mm -hmm. like what was the crack before that though? Um, Originally I thought I had pulled a muscle gosh must have been 10 years before that maybe a bit more and I thought I'd pulled a muscle um, taking my brother who's in a wheelchair down a ramp um, in Turkey Mm -hmm. And uh, and then from there, um, I was in a car crash after that, and the doctor started treating me for a trapped nerve in my leg, and that went on for another two years, and then eventually a locum sent me for an MRI, and that's where it all snowballed from there. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, at the time, so my uncle Robert, like that, which would be mum's twin, that she's saying she was, she, like he lived with us my whole life, and mum had him like in the wheelchair from before I was born. He has cerebral palsy, and she was actually he was in and out of hospital with heart attacks and bowel cancer and just it was like an awful time for him so then mum was going through all these tests I was living over in Liverpool I think I was just moving actually did you have your diag no did you get diagnosed just before I went or why I went in my first year there because mum actually came over with me to I was on my feet yeah so mum came over she flew over with me we literally just had a couple of suitcases of all my stuff. I just moved to the city centre in Liverpool, right by the train station, Lime Street, Lime Street train station. And we were up and down and up and down and up and down that street, <laughs> down to every shop for all my bedding, my homeware, like bathroom, everything, like everything up and down, up and down, curtain mirrors and... Oh my god! Everything. And I swear, you slept on the floor, and I and I we took it in turns for the wee single bed. So like she was fine. Like she had probably driven up to the airport and everything then. So I was yeah. eighteen. I just turned eighteen then when I went off to uni, and like I say, we were in O'Neill's. We have a photo, a key ring photo of us in O'Neill's drinking sure. away and stuff. And yeah, it was that December. Because it was around Christmas time, and Mum was. Well, do you want to tell the story? Because I wasn't there. You were up in a to see Robert. I Robert was in intensive care at the time, um, after having this bowel surgery, and I had been up visiting, and I came down the stairs, and I Erin with me, and she was just a toddler, and um, I came down the stairs into my appointment, and there was a nurse come into the room with the neurologist. And, he, and her just was an MS nurse and he says I want to, to have the both of us here because I want to give you the diagnosis that you've got MS and it looks to be primary progressive MS and I remember they took an air night for a biscuit and I sat there and I said 
Oh, well, at least it's something nocturnal. I'll never be off my feet. I don't have to worry about that. And then I remember on the way home, it was that foggy. Me and Aaron just had to stop and sit in the car because we couldn't drive anywhere. And I just sat and cried in the, in the middle of the fog. And then I got home. And I didn't, I don't think I took enough feed of the diagnosis as I should have. Because um, whenever I said it to a friend of mine, she all oh, right, right. I said she went in home and cried. Um, and whenever I told my husband, he just sat in the bed and went, fuck's sake, for fuck's sake, because he couldn't believe it. Mm. But I never thought of these people looking at me and thinking, Jesus, you know, her life expectancy is a bit shorter. And I think they just seen me totally deteriorating and dying. Um, I was 39, and at that time, Davy says to me, oh, at the most I'll give you to 50. But was it not the doctors that also said something like that, you'd be lucky, or was there not something about no, that? It was quite, well, it was about three years ago, and I was talking to the doctor about this, this diet and saying, do you not notice how well I'm doing? And he said, look, Jane, at this stage in your life, um, and if it makes you feel a bit better, I still think that you should be taking anything you like um, and enjoying it at this stage of your life because, you know, you just should do. Yeah, not very... It was like they were giving up hope sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I, so we've just come back in from going out for lunch there and we were chatting about how... Mum has a phone review after three years. Mm -hmm. Three years of no contact. I mean, I know it's been COVID times, but like, uh, uh, anyway, let's not even get started on that yeah, because. My neurologist secretary will be phoning me. You know, I was the exact same. Remember, I had actually went to my appointment for the diagnosis um, after they had took the brain tumour out to see exactly what it was and if it was cancerous and how bad it was and Stephen he just didn't even want to ask any more questions or he didn't there was no point he just thought there was we had nothing else to say or or talk about or like that was that and he just got really upset and obviously understood right away from then what the prognosis and what they were trying to say in their medical way but I just I don't know if I was just numb or I think it's probably the same as you like we just that was never going to be an option like the prognosis of a maximum two years was just no like that and still you know look at us like that's probably why we are doing so well at um, you're talking about you were telling your neurologist about diet and everything but the OMS program is actually like a lot more than that like you have to it's all about food so mum actually it was a long it was a hard haul but mum had to turn fully vegan but Tara had said to me 
at the very start, Mum, you need to make a change and if you have to, you'll eat nut if you want to change it. Mm. You know, so Yeah, and so this I hear this from out of her mouth probably every month every time I'm down here because I'm I now have changed my diet well do you know what so I think I maybe I don't know if I touched on it in that first episode but so mom was really struggling she obviously wasn't on her feet so she wasn't doing the dinners well I suppose dad was the one struggling he was like I'm a farmer I don't know any I can't make all these vegan meals I don't even know what you're on about and like that's a load of shit and like he just didn't believe in it at all he was just like, yeah. this is ridiculous. Like, you just should enjoy yourself, like, if you don't have long left and stuff. So, and everybody that we'd kind of read up about, um, even people that you had met and stuff, I think, maybe for three other things or whatever, they were all, they, there was even somebody that had passed away and stuff and they were quite younger and all. Mm-hmm. Um, But even, like, nights out and things I've met um people and there's one in particular I remember and he says oh my god Jane so happy to see you I thought you were dead but I you know yeah that's wild thing but sure even you know yourself we've just come in from out for lunch there and it's right in the middle of the town and everybody's like oh my god you look so well to me and it's like do you want me to be walking about as like with no hair and uh, like be sack, grey and sackcloth and ashes type of thing. Yeah, like I mean if I'm still alive, like I'm gonna be living. I'm I'm gonna be coming out from my lunch. I'm gonna be trying to enjoy myself. And I suppose that's why I want to do this podcast so much because you know, mum's journey has been really, really, really difficult. I think a lot of people, like especially all these um holistic therapists and people that do like reggae masters and like light workers they would say ms especially as it is a degenerative disease is caused by holding on to regret trauma but that's all well and good us knowing this now and listening to podcasts and oh my goodness how many times if we lay here and listen to meditations mm-hmm. and watching every single thing you can on like healing yourself and you know knowing the roots and where it's all come from but we didn't know any of this stuff like I mean this is at, at the time that was all like witchcraft and then now this is my life this is what mm-hmm. I love it's what I'm like look, looking up and reading about and learning about every single day of my life for my own healing journey but it started definitely way back with mum because then I was like right well this all does make quite a lot of sense and like I think it did take you a bit longer mum though for it to make sense for you but how things maybe when you were younger or lost how like mum had lost her mummy when she was only 17 and then obviously even having to take on her brother with cerebral palsy from then you know she she didn't have she didn't have the 20s that I had like going off traveling going to university like I was supposed to go off and do art therapy um in my choice year Mm, that's down in Dublin uh-huh. Uh-huh. so mum had all these hopes and dreams and then they were just completely like wiped and I suppose even it's even uh, crazy isn't it because then now we're here we are a big full circle and I have freaking cancer 
know. Like, life is just so crazy, but I suppose you just have to try and, like... And another um, ironic thing as well is that I was fully qualified sign language interpreter for the deaf, and now my hands are, like, closed, mm. and I can't move my fingers at all. Mm. I'm spending all those years to get qualified. That's right. And like, but loads of things. So mum had a few friends that lived in France. You were fully fluent in French yeah. around the time that you got diagnosed. Maybe take us back, like tell us a bit of history about you. You know, you were like a king camogier, probably one of the best in the town and all. And like, tell us a bit of your background, because I think then it just makes it more real. Like this isn't something that you meant to bring on yourself. This isn't something that you could ever, ever predicted as a child. So yeah, tell us about your earlier life and even the good and the bad and whatever you want to share. All right, let me see. I started from, I think even from when I was in primary school, playing Kamoga. So whenever I got to secondary school, I was playing for the junior and the senior Kamoga teams at the same time while I was playing for the town. I played netball um, junior and senior at the same time for the school. Then I progressed on to well, my big passion for many, many years was um, the motorbike racing. And I made friends, like Tara said, with this French group of people. And one of them was a racer. And through that person, um, I was fit to go to World Superbikes to MotoGP, this was Valencia, Estro in Portugal, um, I went, you know, all over the place and we also went on road trips around France and so I saw a lot of places, had a lot of good times, but then one of the times I was in France and it was for the 24 hour Le Mans bikes, uh, well I had a, a, quite a bit to drink to be honest, and me and the guy, um, Cherry, that we were, we, we had been having a few in a drinks with, um, the pair of us came sort of across to go into the pits, pit lane, um, to where the bikes were going out to the racing. Um, Hold on, weren't you actually, you had like a VIP, you were all, they said, oh, you're going to be one of our... Yeah, they called me the team manager. <laughs> so they did. And then whenever I was at the TTs, every year I went and um, I was the team manager at the TTs. So I was fit to go down into pit lane and be out with them at the bikes whenever bikes come in at pit lane and stuff. Like the likes so of was... Joey and Lob and that, you knew them to chat to, like you would have been sat in a bar chat, like with them sometimes and all, wouldn't ah, you? I we spent quite a bit of a time down at Joey's bar, mm -hmm. you know, and him and Paul Robinson and all, and they've all been killed mm. since then. As a matter of fact, um, a very good friend I had of mine from France, he was killed five years ago, and it was quite ironic because Robert went into Glen Dunn on the 20th of August, five years ago. And this friend of mine, he was killed on the 25th of August, that same, on that same week. Mm. 
So it sort of helped me like a ton of bricks. Mm -hmm. So I had afterwards, and to be honest, I've never watched a road race since. Mm. You know, that was just me finished. Yeah, it's probably like, but then that's what we've been hearing and reading a lot about is how MS is this disease that is because of trauma in your body mm-hmm. that you're not you're not able to release because of that's your protective layer your even maybe things that happened as a child or do you know what I was waffling there what happened to me that night at Le Mans oh yes was that um I tripped over there's big big cables a wire that go across from the main power source over into the lorries that they all stay in and have their all their pills and all in and the, the, they get taped onto the ground and I didn't see this because it was dark and I tripped and hit my head a rail smash against Because it was dark because you're also pissed. I, well, same. I already said that with a clean of drinks with her. But yeah, okay, we were past. A bottle of Southern Comfort, Mum. <laughs> Probably. Shush, shush. <laughs> that wasn't very often. It was only because you were away on holiday. I know. And I was also at Slim and World. And I worked out that if I saved all my sins for that week, that meant it to a bottle of Southern Comfort again. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's what life was like back then. Mm. Yeah, because you had the five kids already and it was you were away for a weekend or whatever. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, so Mum... Like, I think it started from there, did it then? The big smash in the head, and then that's because it obviously. Well, you see, that was it. The neurologist asked me, Did I have a knock to the head? And I said, Yeah, I did. He asked me, Was it about 10 years ago? And I said, Yes, it was. And then, but I was also in a car crash that same year, which rendered me with concussion again. And I actually knocked me out for a while. So that was around the same time. So Is that that time with the black ice? Yeah. Mm. Took out fences and trees and, 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 and like stone pillars and landed no one on the opposite side. And so mum was in, she was actually going, to, you were going to an event, I think, were you not, for the ambulance. And then the ambulance, you were driving because you had to leave early or something and the ambulance has drove past and got found you then? No, the, we were going to a training course just up the road and it was as I was heading to Marga and before I'd left the house, um, a friend of mine was already up there, had texted me to say there was black ice. So I was coming along where he said the black ice was and I was on purpose doing less than 20 miles per hour one past us, but but the whole jeep just went from. And that's ridiculous because it was a it was like a big Nissan Patrol. It was, and it was oh god, it was my dream vehicle, big bull bars and all in the front. Mm, big me, black one. My brother and I used to say, whenever he was at the bottom of the hill and I was coming down the hill, in my jeep, he says, "Oh Christ, here she comes in her bungalow. I'm pulling it." <laughs> yeah, no, it was like a monster truck. It was- so that was a happy time because that was my I loved that jeep plus at the same time um I'd rather pass my bike test but had actually got treat myself to a bike I'd always wanted um an ER6F and, and I have a photo of being 
the Duke's beside me and I'm on my 600 and my wee dog socks is actually in the photo as well so that's one of my favourite photos. Yeah I think I had that in Australia and all I think I had that with me and then I think it was on our fridge it's still on the fridge probably is it? Yeah it's a Yeah because it was probably the last time that you were you felt as well or the, the be- best you felt in your adulthood probably you were on the slimming yeah. world and all and you'd had all your babies so you were and I know that you were down at your your optimum size even though dad was like nope you're too skinny now nope I don't like it and I felt so happy that whenever something arrived in the post for you I could try it all mm-hmm. you know yeah for the first time in your life well, you know when I would have went outside and says to Rora what do you think of this? This is Tars. Look, I'm trying it all. Yeah. You know? I know, that's right. And that's actually what we're hopefully going to be doing now after this is red night all a mountain of clothes because we just need to get red, red, red. Jesus wept. As long as you didn't say that you're going to get me to try on your clothes. No. Declutter the house to declutter our minds. Yes. Yeah, so, Mum, what do you think then? You were saying, right, that's all the good happy times, but... Tell us a bit more about your life then. Yeah, um, well, they told me that probably within five years I would be almost ready to be in a wheelchair. And uh, I, no way, no way. But within five years, I was starting to go off my feet. You know, my legs were trailing along behind me and... I actually, which I shouldn't have been doing, and I know 100% you 100% of the time, um, because I, I didn't want to stop driving for a bit until I realised, no, I'm not doing this anymore, was I was actually lifting my leg from the clutch to the brake in the car, which I shouldn't be admitting to now, but... That's awful. That's what I was doing. And I will hear... Sure, I was driving when I was over in Greece and I'm not allowed to, so we're all bad bitches. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awful. I'm actually like, like that made my heart like skip a beat when you said that about lifting your leg. Ah, God, so dangerous. Um, But yeah, so it, it was, it was really, it was a hard diagnosis to process, to believe, I think for the whole family. Erin was only young. Erin was only at primary school. Um, like the cutest wee thing. Yeah, the cutest wee thing. And then I started, the, when things started to go wrong for me, and I started going off my feet, and everything that I felt I was deteriorating, every time I felt that, I got more and more deeply depressed. And it was a sin of me because it really affected my the youngest one and it took years and I actually apologised to her no she admitted to me first of all that yeah she was embarrassed about me being in the wheelchair which I thanked her for for her honesty but um, then I apologised to her for being in such depression mm. for all those years and it seemed to turn something around for us yeah yeah she was really struggling as all teenagers do but then it was just too much for her like there was two wheelchairs in the house Robert was living with us 
Jeepers. I see, I suppose we missed two years because of COVID there. And like, it, it, it didn't seem like it was that long before that, but I suppose maybe I was away in Canada and stuff, maybe. That's well, cool. four and a half years, maybe five years in August. Oh, I, yeah, so four and a half years at the minute. But like, and it, that was another big loss for you. You were literally. So it was, I said to him before um, he left the house here. I said, so are you. I have looked after you for the last 30 years of my life. And now after this, whenever I can't do anything, yeah, you bugger off to Glen Dunn. Getting cakes cooked for, made for him, and oh, homemade scones every morning, and he, yeah, fry every other day. He loves it. He he doubled about twice in size when he went over there, didn't he? No, he definitely three times. Um, yeah, no, it was a definitely a hard old road, and still is. Definitely still is. But whenever you did start changing your diet and trying your best to do the meditation, also, mum was going over to Larne. There was... Oxygen Yeah, these are... I actually would love to go and try them now. I think there's ones in, in Dunmurray and Belfast. I should go and just give it a try. So you should. You know, just for... So what? tell me even what they do. I actually have been meaning to ask you that. Yeah, whenever you go on, you... They try out first of all. They you put a mask over your face, or I eventually got it that that it was best for me. Or I held a thing in my mouth and had suction that way. But you have this, I suppose it's air just putting through this mask, and you're like it's if you're taken down underwater, you know, and it's your pressure. Mm. Um. It depends how deep, you know, as you're actually going, you, as you go down, as as they're turning whatever is down, it's so hard to describe. I know here, I'm I'm sitting here inflating my lungs trying to imagine what it's like because I, I have done scuba diving before and I'm like, hmm, trying to remember. I know, you just breathe normally with this and it's just... The, the pressure um, as you're going down. But it's to oxygenate every cell in your body, isn't it? It's meant yeah. to kind of detox your body with pure yeah. oxygen. Yeah, and that means it makes it supposed to make it easier for you to breathe. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because that would be one of the symptoms. I say, gosh, we'll have to go back there. Whenever you first got this diagnosis, and obviously Robert I was, was in hospital. on my feet yeah. at that time. yeah. Uh, yeah, God, mum was still running about like. But before I finished that, there, I wasn't. It was that was at a time whenever I was having to move my legs to drive. Mm. But so mum tried all these things. What was the other? You went along to somebody. Oh, uh, yeah, DeFries. But what? I went up to Belfast, and he was the one that. Every few weeks. I or like every week or something, and he was extortionate. Mm. So it was because he's world renowned, mm-hmm. um, and I thought, okay, here we go, world renowned. You know, this will make all the difference. And it was one of those ones, and he could completely crack your neck and all that stuff there, and down your bones and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, at the end up, I found it was just costing me so much money for not. And exhausting you probably to drive up and down oh, to Belfast. I drive up and down to Belfast. 
And then when was it, Mum, that you got to try the hydrotherapy? Ah, uh, the hydrotherapy, it came about, I think, from going to the MS centre or else, no, it would have been the physio that would have recommended me to that. And that was one of the best things I'd done um, while I was in the wheelchair mm. because it got me into the water. Mm. It was great. I felt myself getting stronger, felt myself having better coordination. You know, and by the time I was finished, and it was only a six-week course, but by the time I was finished... You've done it a couple of times, did you not? You just have to keep going back in the waiting list. You have to keep going back in the waiting list, but like with COVID and all, mm. it's been years. Aye, we have to get back on that. Yeah, even if it's private, you know. Mm. Um, But I was just saying, she has tried loads and loads of different things, but I think, well, what I find with my illness, your mindset... You can do all this. You can change your diet. You can try all these things. You take. Do you still take all your supplements every day and stuff? Oh yeah. Supplements, but oh my goodness, how many medications does that you have to take in a day? Oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, I mean, you're talking about between a dozen and a half and two dozen mm. a day. See, oh, I hate that. And you know what? Live and learn. Like we nobody knew any better like whenever mom got her diagnosis she just all we could do was like clutch at straws and lift, listen to the doctors fully and trust them but mom just kept getting worse and worse and worse and your mental health your the way you felt about it and like the losing power and all was like so scary that what else can you do but listen to your doctor okay up the meds up the meds oh I need I need higher doses of antidepressants like it just yeah, that's why, because I was very anxious about it at the start, and that's why they put me on antidepressants to see if it would calm me, but not panic. God, Mum, is any wonder, though? On them till this day. Yeah. I think it's just because it hasn't been reviewed. No, come on, you imagine I how... At that time I did, I got into a real depression. And it would be hard not to even now, like, I don't know about... What do you feel now much better that you would want to come off them fully? I would like to try. I've, I've taken myself off a couple of ones that I don't feel that, you know, I really need to use. Mm-hmm. No, I was the same. And I just think, yes, of course, a lot of people, especially doctors that are listening, would be thinking that's so dangerous and whatever, but... I was the same whenever I was on my steroids when I was going through the radiotherapy I was just like this is too much like it was making me crazy it was making my body have like spasms I was like I couldn't sleep like it was just oh it was horrible feeling and I was remember how much I was eating I like Stephen would even find me like sneaking like scoffing in the kitchen and all we were living down in here at the time um because I was just out of surgery and stuff oh god and like I put like doubled in size um I was wearing like your old jeans like you know like oh my goodness and that was before I'd lost weight you were yeah, jeans. yeah, because it was ones from way when you were way younger. They were, you know, them mom jeans came back in again. That's what it was, and I was like wearing all mom stuff and all, and 
yeah, so I actually, I took my dose way down because I was like, this is not, I don't like the way I feel. So, mom, I just think, yeah, fair enough that you're starting to like listen to yourself. I'm actually so happy to hear that. But yeah, so what, what way do you, how do you feel on it now? Like, obviously, we're not going deep diving into the whole time of diagnosis and all. Like, we've talked and cried enough about it at home in our family and, you know, we're actually, I think our family is just so, we just get on with things, don't we? Yeah. Like, we just, what else can you do? Like, literally, I don't know there's really anything else that could happen. Is there anything else really that could happen to us? Oh, God, we'll get struck by lightning or whatever. Oh, uh, so there's no point in us going way back and getting ourselves in, like, a bad place. Um, Is there, yeah, tell us a bit more about what you do then to try and keep, well or like positive or like well i would try and do quite a bit of mindfulness but i have to stop doing it at night time because i fall asleep before it's finished and then i only hear the start of it and not the end of it Mm -hmm. anytime me and mom do meditation together i'm there like loving it and like doing all the breathing and then a few minutes in mom just starts snoring like her head goes back and she's like in a deep sleep but then i'm like that's good though for getting you off to sleep because i i actually was nearly i was given off to your this was years ago and i was like mom you're not getting the benefits but then i've heard a few times and i've maybe read it as well actually isn't that a bad thing because that means you're so relaxed and you're obviously not then stressing and worrying about your illness and you're going off into a deep sleep like that if it's been guided into sleep that's really good and just because you're sleeping doesn't mean that the positive affirmations aren't going in like your your mind is sleeping but your body's awake which is also why i feel like you know, anytime, you know, we both of us have now been in hospital and stuff. And just because we think, all right, okay, thank God we're out of hospital and it's all good. Our body still holds that trauma. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one thing that I'm really trying to work on with mum for her to fully understand that and grasp that. And like, it's okay to need to cry and cry and cry, and cry about it even forever. Like you, your body has been through so much too much but I think that's one thing you still kind of struggle to fully accept yeah I mean even now I'm struggling to accept what's happening to me now that I'm starting to feel that I'm losing the power of my arms and I'm struggling again now Mm. to get that into my head so what maybe about how many years ago you we started all the OMS thing. We were all really inspired and really like, right, let's go. And you, there was a time that mum was struggling to speak. Before I started this OMS. Can you remember when that was? What year? Like, when would that have been? It would have been about four years ago. Sort of, because it was before the MS centre was closed because of COVID. Um... Oh no, it was way before I even thought about going to Canada. No, no, but that's what I mean. It was way before COVID. It was, so it would have been about four years ago. Mm. So it was, and up until then, I um, I couldn't sit straight. I was completely hanging off the chair. Mm. I was dribbling. 
down the side of my cheek. I was, I couldn't eat myself. I had to be spoon fed. I couldn't speak. It was just a slur. Yeah, anytime she'd try and tell you a story or just even ask you, like, to get or something over, she'd just be, like, try and then just, you'd just start crying because you just were, like, so frustrated. It was awful. It was so awful to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, there was just nothing I could do. Mm. And then um, that was one time I was in the MS unit, and I think that was in the October time. And then it was in the January that we went to the OMS mm-hmm. thing. And then by the next time I went in again, I think it was June the next time I went in. And I had been on this, this diet. It took me a few months to get into it, remember, Tara? Well, it was taking a few months. And then I was like, right, anytime I come up and down home, because I was living in Belfast, I was working up there. And... You know, we live in a farmhouse, like, up in the middle of nowhere. And, obviously, Dad was trying to learn how to cook. Mum was off her feet and hadn't been doing it for a while. And he had only really got into the groove of making pasta bakes or Irish stew or... What was the other thing he would make all the bloody time? Probably spaghetti bolognese. Spaghetti bolognese. Oh, my God. That was, like, twice a week. It was, like, uh, I, I don't know what I think. I'm, I'll am never eat that again because he sickened me of it. I actually hate tomato pasta sauce now because I think I ate it too much. Anyway, um, I'll not diss him on his Irish stew. I, I still I love coming down home even to have that. Like, So he's okay for that one. But oh, it was hard for Dad to try. and He hadn't even cooked in his life before, really, so... This was like all too much. So I would come down and there wouldn't be the right food in the house. There wouldn't be good vegan food for mom. It would be all processed shit in the freezer. And I was just like, no, because then it was stressing me out so much. Like I was like crying. Like Then we were arguing all the time. So I was like, right, to hell with this. And I went part time at work and moved back home, remember, and I was like, I'm going to do this. And you know what? I'll even be able to save a bit of money. And I'm going to do this for a while. And then I'm away. Like, I am gone mm-hmm. on a big, long trip. And I think that was actually then I went off to South America and went over to visit Canada. And then sure, I've ended up wanting to move there. But um, even batch so, cooking, that was good. Because yeah. then there was stuff in the freezer that dad could just defrost. Yeah. And I think as soon as we, it was within a month, we started seeing the benefits. Crazy, amazing, the way that the, the benefits started to work. It was like one after the other. Um, my speech came back. I was sitting up straighter. Um, I was fit to start to eat for myself. And this only improved mm-hmm. um, further. Mm-hmm. And I was eating for myself, speaking properly. Um, you started being able to get your dexterity back that much that now she would sit up in the bed and she gets her iPad and her wee, what do you call them, the wee dabber pen. Yeah. And she, you know, can sit and do online shopping, order groceries to come deliver, get up, she can use the house phone and put it on speaker and t- like ring. Like, I mean, five years ago, yeah, well, I was like, okay, that's it. A friend of yours that told you that she was a nurse and she'd nursed me in the MS center mm-hmm. and said to you about you were going to go to Saudi or some of them places. And yes, I was meant to go off to Qatar to teach. Your friend 
told you that she'd never seen anybody coming back. Yeah. From how bad I was, and she advised you not to go. Yes, because she had nurse MS patients like loads, and at the stage mum was at, she basically my friend was saying, look, she'd be lucky to finish to see out the rest of the summer. But I felt that myself. But mm-hmm. I felt I know I know I'm dying mm-hmm. at that point, mm-hmm. and then it was within a few months. And that's what MS and is. It's a degenerative disease. It's horrible I know and then um then those few months this change came about and I went down back to the MS center for another two weeks respite then in the gym um well mom you never actually stick out the two weeks you always I always at the start <laughs> of first time I went I went for I think two days yeah one one overnight stay uh-huh. and then I went to a few days and then I went to a week and at that I thought was pushing it and after I get used to it I would never think of staying in less than the two weeks yeah because so I love it made great friends from it yeah like there's still there's people that you would still ring and be in touch with even oh, now I that you have it's such a shame these services aren't going on now because of COVID like it's actually it's it's horrible like that this is happening for people and even there like Robert that we were chatting about He's been stuck in that nursing home. Three years almost. And only on her birthday you insisted that it was coming out. Yeah, I, I took no, I was not taking over no an answer. I was literally like, oh, so it's his birthday. I know there's an appointment booked, but we're, I'm taking him out. Like, it, there's no rain or anything. There's no reason why he can't. Like, I'm not saying I'm taking in the car. Oh, no, I need to go and talk to the nurse about that. Like, I'm not sure. And I said, I'm taking him out. It is his birthday. He's been in there in her bedroom for years like I'm taking him and we did and we didn't we took him back just when we were done you know we went and got like a few wee snacks and stuff at the shop and went down to the seafront and seen the ducks and all and like it's so simple but like and Robert was so lively he just was lapping up the company never stopped talking for the hour going to the place and they are coming back mm-hmm. um and like watching the ducks and what like just oh, and even the sea air and everything like it makes me so sad to think that that's what so many people's lives are still right now it's awful yeah but so mum what do you think like do you feel like having an illness because I know for me definitely do you ever feel like it gives you a sense of oh my goodness life is so short and Whenever you're told you have like a life limiting illness, I don't know, there's definitely a lot of things stir up in you, a lot of negative things and a lot of things you have to process and like cry out and be like terrified about. But for me, it was, there was a lot of positives and it was like, oh my God, right. And like, so mum, I even know you would say there's things you want to take off. You've got this bucket list now. Yeah, but um, there's a whole lot of things in my bucket list that I... I, well, I'm determined to do it, even if it's only through virtual reality, you know, um, and I'll do it that way, if that's the only way I can. But I've a few things that I'll maybe do, but, but I'm, get, I'm getting through things, thanks to thanks to my daughter here. She's um, given me a lot, and with, even with the other ones, things like one of my bucket list was 
watching Ireland play um, in the Six Nations in the Aviva Stadium and I got tickets for that for the first match and the last match. Mm, that um, was a few years ago. Thank God yeah. it wasn't COVID year. And it was fantastic. Mm. So it was um, the first time me and Davey went. And yeah, it was good fun. So it was when we were a couple Well, a few of us went down, didn't we? And we were in the hotel uh, watching yeah. it and waiting on you. That's right. And then the other match, me and Tara went. And oh my God, it was so much fun. We laughed so much, we sang so much, we couldn't get enough drink to drink mm-hmm. because it was too long to go to the bar. Mm. And I had that bloody, what do you call that, hooter? Oh God, that, the hooter thing. Hooter and horn. She says to me, she says to me, that woman in front of me keeps giving us dirty looks because I'm blowing this horn. And uh, I was watching for a minute to see. And then I said, Tara, I says, Tara, do you know why she's giving you dirty looks? And I said, that horn should be blew up in the air and not down the way straight into her ear. Oh, God, I was in stitches. Oh, she was and just you know, jealous. Tara, Tara just laughed all off and blew the horn even louder. She, she, did, she just was jealous she didn't have one of her own. I, that wasn't even Tara's own. Don't know where she picked that up from. Yeah, I don't know either. And we also, we went down to... Rod Stewart. Oh my God, that was another brilliant night. Oh, I loved that. Yeah, I feel like I grew up on Rod Stewart because that would have been what was in on in the car when Mum was picking us up from school or we were going off to Coleraine shopping or anything. Rod Stewart, Shania Twain, and for a long time member, you went through a phase of Darius. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was that long after he had been popular. Mm-hmm. You know? Um. So yeah, we actually went. Did I get that for your for a Christmas present or something? We went. Rod Stewart. Um. It was around Christmas time. God, yeah. but a really awful thing happened, and it is the most one of the most traumatic things in my entire oh, life. No, that was at the. Rod Stewart, was it not? No, that was it. Oh, right, because it was daytime. Oh, Jesus. It was dark. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I was. I thought it was hilarious. I was very (laughs) aware that mum was cold and there was going to be loads of traffic, and dad was down in the car park, I think. Um, Well, yeah, because we were. I was (laughs) drinking, so I definitely wasn't driving home. And. I've like not seen or I don't I can't even really think but there was must have been a big curb or whatever. No, it wasn't. It was because it was dark as you entered into the went to the car park and there was a little lip oh. from the tarmac onto the concrete. Oh god! And that I literally have like went pushed mum's chair over it. Now, in my defence, you should have been wearing your seatbelt. Yes, that's okay. But Tara, <laughs> I laughed and I laughed about it. I know, the but I did not. Me I know. I was going, Tara, please, it's all right. Oh, Tara, it was awful. Calm down, you're okay. God, you know, I was, oh, I was having a panic attack, hyperventilating. I couldn't lift her. Well, cause I was so traumatized. And then there was like random men like rushed over. Oh my God! Thank God you weren't bleeding or anything like that. You actually were fine, but oh, whoa. even that's giving me anxiety thinking about that. Um. God, it was um, but yeah, no, mum did just laugh it off. Um, and then I, for months, I was like, 
mad to get writing letters and all being like that is ridiculous like that's terrible for wheelchairs and but it was probably my fault because I was pissed so I think we left that um super sad that's why I laughed so yeah how are you finding well I know it's pro- it's absolutely zero at the minute but MS services how are things for MS here in Northern Ireland at least oh no they're not good I haven't spoke to an MS nurse no it's at least five years since I spoke to one of them. I haven't spoke to my consultant in about three years. And I'm getting a phone call later this month. And it'll be from his secretary. Just to ask me if I'm okay. And that'll be that. Mm. And that's my neurologist. So. It's a bit like me as well, my oncologist. I had that scan in January. Got a letter at the end of February to say Tomo my tumor is stable but I'll have a phone review with my oncologist at April and here we are still haven't had it a letter has come through to say the 22nd mm-hmm. of April and sure it'll be time for my next bloody scan by June anyway so it's yeah but you know what the NHS is really struggling at the minute so what can you do and mm-hmm. I think as long as we know we're doing all we can that's definitely why I've taught you, Mum. Yeah. If we know we feel okay, sure, what does it matter? I know, I just miss the the respite and the MS to get beaten up. Because we could bitch about our disease if we want it. Mm. And there was no holes barred. Because we all had the same thing. Yeah. You know, and anything we talked about, our Jane had experienced that. Mm-hmm. you know and we were fit to talk about yeah so even the things that were so scary and that you were like oh this is starting to happen for me there was somebody already worse off that they're like yep welcome to my world yeah and they couldn't believe the change in me because I was sitting eating my soup um, and it was just with the spoon and the bowl was sitting on the tray on my knee and I was eating away and I happened to look up and they were all sitting around the table staring at me. Yeah, because some of them have straws or they're getting they're fed by a carer. Straws. I had to, that's what I was having Or a nurse or a carer, yeah, would be feeding, yeah. You know, and you would have your plastic cup with the, the, the like a baby cup. So you would, and mm. they would be able to hold it up to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, they actually did some lovely things. Remember, Mum, they had art classes. Yeah. And then they did that, like, the colours that matched, was it matched your personality or your skin tone or what, remember? I woke him down in at the end of it. Oh, I remember, and she was selling jewellery and stuff. But I'm going to thought about that. What colour did she say you should be wearing? Um, Like, all of my colours, like, like what I'm wearing at the moment, like greens. Mm. No, the green is really nice on you. And colours like that there. Mm. You know, all the autumn colours. Yeah, and you know, isn't that so weird? Because like we're reading and listening, I'm telling you a million things about Plus, energy. Um, my card that was pulled was the the green gospel lady or whatever. The green chakra, the green heart uh, the chakra green card. Heart chakra. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then you're wearing that today, not even thinking about that. Uh-huh. That's so good because that's what you need to do. Then is like, it's the nearest I get to ground. Yeah, yeah, and it's actually funny because then you did that 
hydrotherapy and loved it and it was like very very beneficial so then because you had done that with trained staff and probably physiotherapists is it that is in the pillow with you then we actually mum took it on herself to find these disability accessible hotels well you find a few over Europe but we I went along with you when it was to Tenerife and so there's pools that are quite heated well did you think they weren't even heated enough there was there was one which was heated but it was absolutely rammed full of people and I kept thinking about all the skin and stuff that was floating by on it and I just couldn't couldn't face it Mm. then after that and but that was one of my really happy times because I was happy to have my two girls with me and that there was the heated pool, the weather was lovely. And then my three boys landed, so they did. They had and a game or they had training or something, so they and, weren't coming. They weren't coming, yep, that's right. And then the next thing, the doorbell rang in the apartment and then they come. Although, at that point, I was getting changed after the swimming pool. And I'm sure the critter's eyes nearly bled. <laughs> oh, we've seen it all, Jeepers. Sure, we've all had to get like training and hoisting and getting mum in and out of bed and stuff, but sure, we all never remember and we're just throwing you on quick. I know, and they've seen me having seizures for stuff like me. I didn't realise, and my big son, he says, I'll put you in the bed. And I said, No, you won't. I said, Not put me in the bed. And he says, Nothing there I haven't seen before. Sure, you were naked when you're having a seizure and I can walk in the room. <laughs> you know. I know you haven't actually had a seizure in a long time. No, I haven't had one in at least a couple of years, maybe more. More? Mom, it's years. Three, four years, maybe. I don't know if I've been there the whole time. Like, I, if I was there for all of them, I remember one time it was definitely when I was in Australia and that's why I was like, nah, I'm not staying for my second year because... It was also new and scary you having seizures, but the one like definitely a couple of them I was here and I remember just being like, Okay, I'll just keep airing away. I didn't want her seeing it really. I know, I think it was a time where I had just come out of hospital mm. and I was lying on my bed and you were you were lying lying on your bed and we were talking and talking and I think at that point you said to me that just thought no I have to go home yeah I was getting too upset all the time like thinking that well I, I'm glad that I did that I was the right decision there was just something telling me that I needed to come home and as much as you always were like and dad and all you were both like nope don't you change your plans for us and that's like that's not up to you you're the daughter not the mother and whatever but I wasn't settling I was like getting upset like Every week it was starting to become a com- couple of times a week and stuff. I couldn't have a drink without just crying my eyes out. So I was meant to go on to New Zealand and I just thought, what's the point? I'll just be miserable on this bloody party bus. Going around New Zealand for six weeks, it would have just been ridiculous. So came home and then sure that's when we did. We did that diet and stuff. So sure, all worked out for the best. Yeah, it did. So anyway, this is so many years later. How many years later? Four years later did we say since... That OMS thing. Mm-hmm. And, well, I'm still here. I'm still sitting up. I'm still, well, because my hands are deteriorating, 
but I still tried it my best to be holding my cutlery to to take food, although there's certain things that I do need help with now that are just too hard to actually lift on my own. Um, I still practice writing my name with a pen. No, you're very good. You fill in our cards. You always, yeah, always fill in. I want to personalise mm. things like that there, so I do try. Even if it's only a scroll sometimes, mm -hmm. and sometimes I get it right. But at the end of the day, that's far down the line. I've got far more, more life than I should have had. Mm. You know, if I had have gone on the way, and one of another one of my best days, and it was the seventeenth of July. So it was um what year are we at now two thousand and two, so I think it would have been. The first year after your surgery would have been 2000 and... So it's 2022 now, or 2020 it was, my surgery. 2020, and it was after that, and there was one day, me, you and Fran were up in Lamb Cottage, mm. and Paul and Celine Dion, <laughs> and we, at the top of our voices, were singing, I'm alive, mm. so we were... And we were laughing, we were crying, mm. <laughs> we were group hugging and all the rest of it. And you know what? I have a photo of Tara with her arms in the air singing I'm Alive and I'll treasure that photo. And it's just, that's the way it was that day. Just being grateful for being alive. Yeah. The pair of us at that time. Yeah. And Fran being such a good friend. She was grateful as well, you know, that Tara was still still there and she'd even been asking me advice with my MS for her aunt. Mm, that's right, yeah. Mm. I know, and you know what, yeah, life is a shit show and it's, it is tough probably more than it's easy or it's, mm. it's tough and it's you feel shit and you feel sick and you feel so tired and fatigued and... You just feel all the feels constantly every day is a struggle but those wee moments it's for those wee mm -hmm. happy moments that that's why we're still going and mum says and god flips sake I'm the eldest and I'm going to be 31 now in a few months and she literally I need my arms to work I'm doing my arm exercises every single evening because I want to hold my grandchild. You know, and I've been saying this to them for a number of years. Literally and for I about ten years. My grandchild, and the more my arms start to pack up, the more it is I get because I have to try and keep them strong. Because she, one of these times I She's looking past me now though. Who are you going for now? Who do you think it'll be? No, I'm still I I get a grandchild <laughs> from my tar, I know it will. I would probably know, not first. <laughs> Uh, It'll well, probably be Keelan or somebody now. Uh, Keelan, I thought it would have been Arne, to be honest. <laughs> oh, but yeah, okay. So can you tell us just briefly, um, how, like, so you're there in a wheelchair. You've actually had Robert your whole life in a wheelchair. What is it like to live here? What's the services like? What's accessibility like? You know, we like going out for food and going out shopping and stuff. Like, how do you find things? It's only lately in the town that you know in the last number of years that they've actually put ramps on 
in the town to get about. Um, there only is like a couple of pedestrian crossings. Mm. So it's still not fully accessible in that way. It's a lot better, far better than it was. There's other places, there's really steep hills or, you know, there's steps that you have. just depends on what town or city or whatever mm. you're in. And the only time you can be really comfortable is in a shopping centre where you know it's all flat. Yeah. And there's yeah. good wide lifts and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you know what's awful is sometimes the... It's, it's supposed to be the little lip the, the, the curb goes down and then that's where you're supposed to be able to get up easy with like uh, a wheelchair or a cram I said a cr- cram uh. a wheelchair or a pram but it, the lip is so big that it actually you nearly like thank god you have two seatbelts on your chair now because yeah like I well I'm not very strong or anything so I really do panic and I'm like stressed now that she's gonna go flying out forward again because it has happened yes so yeah things like that and do you know one other thing I don't know if you if you think about this a lot but it's happened to me a lot when I've had Robert she so he's in a wee nursing home in Cushion Dunn and we I would take him and walk down to get lunch or go to the shop or whatever down at the harbour and cars park along the curb yes that's a nightmare so that happens or so there's you have to fight onto the road to pass and mm-hmm. cars park over the disabled mm-hmm. um crossings whoever don't think about it yeah whereas that's a big thing yeah yeah and even like we can't we can't just decide oh yeah let's go away off for a night or anything because there's no like there's no hotels even anywhere in ireland is there that have a hoist as a norm yeah that's true no 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 like if anybody knows of any that's listening please 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 do give me a shout and like, let me know if you know of any, because like, it would be so nice to be able to just take mum, even if it was away, the whole way down to Cork, but just for a nice road trip to go and see a part of the country. But we can't take the hoist in the car. Like it's humongous. It's a big sturdy thing. It obviously has to be able to carry a whole person out of their wheelchair and into a bed or whatever. So things like that, you just can't do. And I bet you people don't realise it. It's the same way I'm saying about people don't realise about the parking or people don't even really realise when you're like trying to pass and stuff. Don't Sure they don't. Or even going into restaurants and even just there today, I had to be like, like the mum's wheelchair is like quite big and because it has to be comfortable for her. And like there was a person sitting right in the way of us to exit again. Mm-hmm. And it's not as if you don't see mum coming, like, and we were all packed up with our bags and stuff and ready to go out of the place. But I had to be like, sorry, we'll never get past there. Like, don't want to, oh, and it's just constant. And I just- she have looked at us and then just looked on back. Yeah. You know. And I just think a lot of people feel embarrassed or they feel like, oh, I don't want to make big, big fuss because then you, they'll think that I'm thinking certain things, but, people well mom you can talk for yourself but like just because you're in a wheelchair doesn't mean like you have the exact same I know but I'm constantly what I'm so aware of my ass I'm constantly having to say excuse me I'm sorry um do you mind um or would you mind that's just my life and that's 
I'd toss my hair off. Mm. Yeah, it makes you not even want to go out that often. Yeah. Or to busy places. Yeah. For me, it's, you know, life's become a whole lot... More limited. More limited, definitely, definitely. Mm. Yeah, and, and also, like, being self-conscious and stuff. Oh, yeah, there are. There are times, like, even today when we went into... It's quite a small... Um, place you went to for for a bit of lunch and you'd be conscious of your big wheelchair in a place like that you know it's not so bad when you've got you know a big booth or something we were in a place one time Kelly's I think it was remember and there was big booths and somewhere like that there I'm always conscious of people looking at me whenever I'm trying to eat and things like that there is hmm. and you know they actually are probably just looking because they just think oh my goodness like they feel so sorry for you almost but I know I know it because I have the big bald patch and then I've obviously I'm still only my hair's only growing back and stuff and I just I just I just used to want to start crying or just want it to not even go out then or even I remember like stressing out like going in in the queue to go into co-op because it was COVID time and you had to queue to get in and all and then I would be freaking out I'd be like no I don't even want to go in anymore and oh but anyway um right so mum this is going to be a tough one but in your whole journey everything you've been up and down through your whole life of uh, there's even a lot more a lot lot more than we could squeeze into a podcast but if you can tell us your absolute like lows and and pros really of MS just your life lows oh, and pros my life. right um my lows have been now I just I start I think back now and I have so many and I can't live with it like I say as Taurus try to explain it to me every time I have so many regrets so I have now I'm wishing that I've done things differently at the time, but as Tara says, I can't keep dealing with that there over and over again. Um, yeah, you can't live in the past, it's already done now. It's you know, and the pros are that although I've got this stupid, horrible disease, um, that I've still got all my family around me. I am so blessed, they're all so beautiful. So they are, and even Davy Grumpy the way as he's a big help as well. You know, so. <laughs> that's as much as you can. <laughs> that's killing her to say that out loud. But it's true, you know. Well, look, Mohammed's, you know, I have to say, please will you and thank you because that's what all the children say to me now. All my boys ignore me when I speak to them, and whenever don't answer me. Then they'll say, um, where's P's and Q's? And then we'll do it. I, that's what I used to do all their life from the really high day days. Now, if manners don't cost up and use them, and every time we go out the door, remember your P's and Q's? Well, now 
that's come back to bite me in the arse. Exactly. Like it used to be so annoying. You'd be getting dropped off at your friend's house and in front of your like friend or even a whole party of people, like when you're about like 10 years old, don't forget your P's and Q's like in front of everybody and your face would just be blazing. Obviously, like I know uh, every time. So yeah, now she is. She's get her sons tell her that every time. But yeah, no, there is. There's so much to be positive and appreciative and grateful for it's not always easy but sure we're get we're getting there we're trying and you're hopeful for hopefully another sunshiny holiday with a swimming pool soon hi yeah even trying to think about what could do this year Mm -hmm, definitely no time to waste i'd love to get to a happy place again like that time of tenere oh my god i still I still think about it this day about being my happiest in that garden with the giant, giant cactus. Mm. I absolutely love that. Mum, maybe that's a bit like the thing for me when I see a rainbow, I just start crying because I'm like, <gasps> like this is so, it's so big, it's so beautiful and bright and it's like, you don't see it all the time. Maybe that's what it is for you, mm-hmm. That's that's your thing. Yep, and that's why I still dream about it. Because mm. I only saw it that once. Mm. You know? Okay, that's something to think about. All right, well, thanks so much for for chatting to me. And we're both going to be exhausted and have to go and have a lie down. So I go, other that, or we'll go and have a wee drink just to yeah, yeah. Off. Yeah, that's what we will. We'll go and get a wee gin tin. Actually, yeah. Perfect. Right, well, goodbye. All right, bye-bye. Lovely talking to you. We've ended up there just in the nick of time because Mummy's lovely carers, what did you just call them, Mum? My angels. <laughs> yeah, they, they love having a good wind-up and the, the, they have a, the roars of them laughing whenever you're up in any other room in the house. Um, but yes, we actually forgot to touch on that because we were chatting so much about when you were down in the MS centre. But when did you start? Oh, look, oh, I used to be coming here. Too long, too long. Yeah, too long. I wouldn't even say Whoa. a year, would it? <laughs> no, it wouldn't even be a year. But yeah, your life has changed so much for the better. You said we were a breath of fresh air. <laughs> yeah no it's um they come in three times a day and uh get so mum's getting lifted into her bed here now like her bum gets so numb and sore on her chair so they can get her into it or get her out of it and shower and stuff and yeah no it's great well, hi it is but you're not here on there cheeky bitches whenever i said about this is what you're gonna do now and i says Oh well, like jumped up onto that bed, and of course the lower part said, I would love to see you trying that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it has been life changing, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It's been great. The cracks been made, <laughs> and it was what I needed. Little did I know it. I. How many years was I pushing it? Oh God, loads of years. <laughs> and then I waited a year because I wanted to wait and trust. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I've got these little beauties. Yeah. Two little angels. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And it's a, it's yeah, it's a, it's a bit of friendship and companionship and crack every day. Mm-hmm. Lovely. 
three times a day. Three yeah. times a day. Oh. Yeah. <laughs>